Hi, I'm Dina, teacher and reluctant puppeteer turned host of La Bifana's Table, a podcast dedicated to the art of sacred hospitality, where each week listeners are invited to feast on real-life stories of hope and healing, as well as soul-nourishing conversations with folks from all walks of life who are utilizing their gifts in both small ways and large to make the world a more beautiful place. So pull up a seat, tell some friends, and become a part of a legendary story. Welcome to Lava Fana's Table. I'm your host, Dina Gregory, and today we have an incredible friend at Lava Fana's Table, Sharon Legiol Falchuk, who is a functional medicine health coach and the founder of Intended Holistic Wellness, where she specializes in helping people with mystery illnesses and chronic conditions, as well as those who are highly sensitive. I wish Sharon was in my life <laughs> like seven years ago, but here she is now. So Sharon, welcome to Lava Fana's Table. It is such a pleasure to have you. So tell me about how you got to where you are and what's lighting you up these days. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. I can't even tell you how excited I was for this chat. I think I wrote that in my response, but Honestly, I just feel like such a resonant energy with you. So I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So my journey, well, first of all, I have to say that I've always been deeply connected to my Italian heritage for Mm. like literally from birth. That's always been something that sort of lit me up and guided my path. I feel even before I was aware that that was happening because I actually did have chronic illness from the time I was little and I wasn't aware of it until I got older. So Sometimes when you're a kid, you just kind of assume, does everybody feel this way? Is this, you just think Mm. normal is what you experience, whether that's in your household or your physical body, that's your only point of reference when you're a small person. So, so yeah, once the, the, really the story started for me, as far as my health journey, when I was 31, so back in 2011, I had a two-year-old and was feeling, you know, with each passing month, a little more sick. I'd go to the doctors and we kind of have this thing in our society, especially for women where you get passed off a lot for just being a female, for being hormonal, for being Mm. a new, new mom, being a teenage girl. I mean, like there's all these things where there's something that you can just excuse not feeling well for. Mm. And so I kind of went through that as a young woman, you know, my parents would take me to the emergency room or take me somewhere and they'd say, well, she probably just caught something that was going around. And so this chronic digestive neurological stuff that, that kind of followed me my whole life was never figured out because everyone just passed it off as anxiety or, Mm. you know, college student who's stressed out, or there was always an excuse, but there was no more finding excuses when I was 31, because all of a sudden was literally bedridden, could not get out of bed, could not function, could not take care of my son, myself. And I live in the Boston area. So, you know, seen as a Mecca of healthcare. So I went that kind of main route of seeing 15 plus doctors in the healthcare system and all but two who were actually females said, there's nothing wrong with you. You're a new mom. You're tired. You're anxious. The two women who believed me said, I believe you're sick. We just don't have the tools at our grasp to help you. It's something that's maybe an alternative or holistic practitioner might be able to help you with. At least so, they admitted that. <laughs> right. That's, that's At least all... they said, you're not crazy. Right. We just don't function in the type of medicine that maybe would actually help you. 
Exactly. So that's really all I wanted to hear. I didn't need someone to give me all the answers, but it was refreshing to have someone put the ego aside, the doctor ego aside and say, I don't know, but I believe you. Like that's all Mm. any of us want to hear, right? Is we, even when we vent to somebody, a friend, or this is something I've learned as a health coach is we don't necessarily want someone to give us the answers. We really just want someone to believe us and hear fully hear our experience and hear our story that in and of itself, there's scientific proof that that's healing, just being believed, just being cared about. So that's seriously lacking in our healthcare system. I hate to say from the experiences of myself, loved ones, and my health coaching clients, it's, I hear it all the time is that just not being listened to, not being validated Hmm. for your experience. So, so anyway, I was kind of sent home to deal with myself. And my husband, you know, called my primary care doctor and said, if you don't do something, I'm really worried that she's not going to make it. I was like, I had lost 25 pounds in four weeks. I couldn't digest food, you know? So it really sent me on the journey of my life to save my own life really. And that's when I just knew like, I had to figure this out myself. Nobody was going to come save me and life literally stopped. Like I could not there were whispers before that. And I think we all experience whispers mm. again, whether it's our health, whether it's financial, whether it's relationships, like you're saying, there are whispers that are trying to get our attention. And as a highly sensitive person, which I really wanted to touch on today, because I know yes. you are too. And I think a ton of a, my observance is that a lot of people with Italian roots are very highly sensitive and tuned in. And, and where I see that as kind of a challenge in our culture is for men, especially not allowed to be kind of soft, at least historically. I see that a lot. Yeah. So like a lot of us are talked out of the whispers, Mm. which is really scary. Now that I, now that I have, I can look back on everything. I think a lot of people are talked out of their whispers. I think a lot of people are like, oh, just move on, just, you know, toughen up and just, just forget about it. Life literally would not let me forget about it. It stopped Mm. me and said, you need to rebuild, like you need to take the reins and figure this out. And historically, again, as a highly sensitive person, been the type of person that didn't like to push back, didn't Mm -hmm. like to cause, you know, someone to not like me or to think that I was a troublemaker, very much people pleaser and all that. And this this and having my son were the two things that gave me voice because mm. I would speak up for him and then I was forced to speak up for myself. Mm. And I think a lot of sensitive people struggle with that. They're doormats in life. They just don't want to, you know, upset people. But I realized this was the learning experience of being nice doesn't mean not speaking up for yourself. Right. And I'd always tied those two things together. If you speak up or you push back, you're not a nice person. So yeah, I literally had to I did a ton of research. I assembled a care team of people who listened to me, who believed me and who were willing to help me and be partners, which again, a lot of doctors aren't willing to partner with you. If you have an idea, they're like, I went to medical school, not you, you know, Mm. but you live in your body. And that's a message I really want everybody to know is nobody knows you like you and don't let every, anybody ever try to tell you that they know you better than you. So that's something that I think could be said twice, but you live in your body. No one knows what it's like to live in my body. Exactly. (laughs) Or in my mind or in my soul. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All those things. You're so right. And that's, that's where I had to 
as much as I was disappointed in the response I got from healthcare, I also realized like I was expecting someone else to give me answers. Yes, which we all deserve if we're going to the doctor for help, but like it was time to take my power back and find practitioners who respected me and who were thought partners and that whole mix of what we deserve in life, which is that nobody else is your keeper. Once I got the information I did, I had to make the changes in my life. I changed my diet. I changed my lifestyle. Nobody was going to do that for me. And I know that's so annoying. You're like, can I, <laughs> I've, been, I've been a little bratty like that for a while. I, you know, I've got my COVID-19 that hasn't come off and you're like, can I, like, can I call someone else to do this for yeah. me? And yeah. there's like, no. there's no outsourcing. There's no yeah. outsourcing that aspect of your life. No, unfortunately there's no outsourcing any of that. The, yeah, you no. know, the physical stuff, but then th- the thing I have to mention that really was on me was that we all have stuff, right? We all go through life and experience traumas, whether that's what people consider big T's as in like really obvious abuse or little T's, like mm-hmm. little chronic things that that get at us or or stick with us. And we get to like that, like a certain point in life where we have this whole bag of stuff. And I at least had never looked at it. I'd never <laughs> opened that bag. I'd never dealt with it. And so here I was with this illness and with the doctors saying, this is all in your head or whatever. I didn't believe Mm. that, but I was like, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get better. So I'm Mm. going to a therapist. So I'm going to throw every, I'm going to look at every aspect of my life. Yeah. Leave no stone unturned. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? That's why in addition to becoming trained in functional medicine, I then specialized in mind body medicine because I was like, the physical part got me so far in healing. And then it was the mental, emotional, spiritual part that took my healing to the next level. I couldn't, I couldn't have physically gotten totally better if I hadn't addressed the mind part. Cause we're whole yeah. human beings. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I think we're, you know, I think more and more people are are seeing that and the and the need for it. But another thing that you you mentioned was just like a thought partner. You know what I mean? That there's a level I think that the world needs to step into and is stepping into there, you know, there are incredible people who are doing this, but like, whether it's the, the relationships that we're having with our, you know, our intimate partners or families to the relationships that we have a professional, that it's not like this hierarchy, but really true mutuality. Yeah. You know, like we're partnering together in this where your voice has an equal exactly yes equal different it is so different because I feel like no matter what our professions are that's how we need to show up in life is Mm. knowing we're not always we may be in the equation like you're saying whether it's with a client whether it's in a you know personal relationship we may be an expert in one area but I learn so much from my clients who are coming to me for help that if you don't go into those situations open and, and looking at each other as equals with different wisdom, with different Mm. experiences, then you're missing out on a whole entire half of life. You know what I mean? Half of what we're here for. We're not just here to preach at people and to impart whatever we've learned. We're here to learn. My question was, you know, you said your Italian roots were, they'd always be in the theme. Yeah. 
when for you in your healing process via the physical crisis, Mm -hmm. did your roots start talking to you? (laughs) Yeah, that's, that is, I mean, there are so many instances that a lot of times at hindsight, you look back and you say, oh yeah, like that, but one real like boom moment. So what I ended up diagnosed with or part of my equation was Lyme disease, which is from the bite of a tick. And so that was, again, part of the story. I had other things going on, but I had gotten back into my Italian heritage and here in the Boston area, it's very rich with Italian Americans and people celebrating their heritage. And so I belonged to some groups and things like that. And one of the organizations I belonged to was offering Italian folk dance classes. And so I was like, oh, I'm so excited for this because dance has always been a thing for me and movement is so important for our health and well-being. And I don't mean that in an exercise way. I just mean in a moving your body way, whatever feels Mm -hmm. best for you. And so I showed up for this class and the teacher was explaining the whole history behind some of the dances, one being the Tarantella. And that was something that was done because of the bite of a spider. Mm making somebody, you know, and ticks are an arachnid. And as she's explaining it, I just, it all came like (laughs) full circle in that moment. I'm thinking of my ancestors and some of them working in the field, you know, these were people working in the fields and getting bitten by these, these things. But she also explained the other side of that, which is still kind of like, it's an in-between space where History is not 100% sure if this was completely the bite of a spider or these were traumatized women too who mm. were wor- you know working in the fields being abused having just overwhelmed by life and it caused them mentally to have this catatonic state mm. then they were surround this is the beautiful part too they were surrounded by community members when they would go into this state yes mm-hmm. Everyone would come around the musicians, they would stay until that person got better. And if they couldn't move themselves, which they believed, okay, this is the bite of a spider and the person is catatonic, but they need to move so that they will expel the poison from the bite. And if they couldn't move themselves, they'd put them on a sheet or they would do whatever to move the person. So this is the ultimate act of community healing. Mm. We're coming around you, whether it's, to me, it doesn't matter if it was mental or if it was physical or if it was both, which I think Lyme disease is, I think Lyme disease, if you have a trauma history with anything, and that opens the door for your immune system to not take care of an infection or whatever, doesn't matter to me anymore. I used to be really caught up in the details. Now I'm just like, community is healing. Joy is healing. Music is healing. And they brought all these things to this person until they got better. And I mean, that is where I tied into not only my heritage, but I realized the science that I'd been reading about the importance of community, the importance of love, the importance of joy as way more important than what I'm eating and what I'm getting enough sleep and all these things that I'd been so hyper-focused on. I'm like, the medicine is the relationships. The medicine mm. is that sense of support and community. And I've got a safety net if anything ever happens to me. And the greatest example of that you probably know is the Rosettans in Pennsylvania that were studied by the government. Do you know this story? No, bring it on. Oh my gosh. It's my (laughs) favorite example to give because it involves Italian Americans and also like this whole point 
in the 50, 1950s or 60s, there was this group of Italian immigrants who had moved to Rosetto, Pennsylvania. And okay. the government, someone noticed that these people were not having heart attacks like the rest of Americans. And so the government wanted to know, like, what are these people doing? Like, what is it about these people that makes them so much healthier than everybody else that they're not getting this illness, especially a cardiovascular illness? And so the government like descended upon the town and started testing everything, you know, the air quality, the water, like they wanted to know. And so then they started to see what are, how are these people living? And so they're cooking with lard, they're smoking, they're drinking wine. They have really dangerous jobs in mines where dirty jobs, you know, toxic jobs, like, (laughs) so they're like baffled, like, what are these people doing? And finally they did realize it was their sense of community. It was, if so-and-so gets sick, we're going to lend them money. We're going to take care of their children. You know, multi-generational homes where grandma's there when the kids get home from school, if both parents have to work, like we're all looking out for each other. Nobody's going to fall through the cracks here. Yes. And then it did prove out that once their children became Americanized and went to college and had the single family homes, they all started to join the national average for health issues. So it just proved, you know, all these things that we've made taboo, living with your parents until a certain age or, Mm. you know, grandma living with you, like these things that we've banished as like not, we push independence and we push like progress, but like it has damaged our health in very real ways that we have now Mm. scientific proof of. So I want to go back to the, to the dance for you you know, seeing that connection, right? It's like, you got this bite and it's like, okay, it's not a, but it opens that door and it brings you down that path. And I think sometimes in health or in personal healing, self-healing, like we don't, we don't trust these connections. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. Maybe Lyme that has nothing to do with it, but it's like, you got to follow that thread. Yeah. Like Lyme disease. Okay. Boom, boom you know, and you start to, you start to see it because healing does not happen in this, like, no, boop, boop, boop. No, it's not linear. Chaotic. Yes. (laughs) Wild thing. And you have to follow it. Yeah. And uh, you know that what you were saying about the dance and another friend of Labafana's tables, Alessandra Belloni, and Mm. I haven't had her on yet, but she does a lot of healing with uh, traditional folk dances in the Tarantella. And I think there's that thing, especially nowadays, we're really having a mental health crisis is like crazy. Worse than ever. Yeah. And what does the person, that crazy person needs to be brought in? Yeah. And yet they're ostracized. Oh, we see so much of that you know, and it's frightening, but it's like, we get to the extreme that we are. So we're crazy. We're frightening. We are the other. Yeah. And all that really is, is like a call for like, can you take this too? Right. Can you hold that too for me? And you have to know your limits, you know, as as a community and what's safe and, you know, but I, I, I feel that like, you know, that feeling so marginalized that you're like, what is that? Like that catatonic state? Is there a point that you don't feel like you've been heard so long that you really are just can't deal anymore. You shut down deal, you know, and to me, you know, we don't give enough credit to the power of music in healing and the power of to bring us to life again. You know what I mean? Like, are you really expelling the spider bite or are you expelling trauma, pain, trauma, pain, loneliness, ugliness of humanity, you know? And that's where 
I know I need this metaphorical table because, you know, we have our home and we have our place of work where I'm, I have to bring my professional self. And if you go to church or you do have a, a place of worship, you're bringing your holy self. Right. But like, I have not gotten to any state of wholeness without the gross aspects of my own humanity. Like that part of you, like, and when when I see these dances, the the, the inner drama, (laughs) like brought to life. (laughs) Yeah. We need space for that. And that's where I think social media and things has, have driven us further from that because again, it's that whole perfection, that whole perfection vibe. And that's what I love about you too, is that you bring realness and I try to, in my own way too. And I feel like that we as a society, and I see it, you know, you see sort of the delineations kind of clearly generationally, because there are things, I don't know if you grew up again, sometimes it's a cultural thing and sometimes it's a generational thing. And sometimes it's both where like, there are things you don't talk about in your family. There's just things that you don't talk about that happen, Mm. whether that's so-and-so doesn't talk to so-and-so there was a rift at some point, you know, whatever, you just don't talk about it. And then get to our generation where we freaking talk about everything. It's like, <laughs> we put everything out there. You know what I mean? And it's like, the and next a lot generation of- are the next generation. You'll be like, guys, like, could you learn a little bit more about privacy? Right. Boundaries, <laughs> a little bit of boundaries. You know, that's, as you were talking about a lot of the points you were making, like I literally could physically see a pendulum in my head. And we do tend to do that where it's like, we're so far over here. And then we swing so far over here instead of finding that sort of middle place. And that's what I feel like we are always being called to do personally. And as an ecosystem, you know, as a macro of the micro and a micro of the macro, I feel like we're, we're always being called to try to find that middle ground. It's, I don't know why it's so hard. I don't know if it's energetically like being pulled in, you know, but we do need to be mindful. The awareness is the first step that we Mm. have that helps us, you know? And, but, you know, in this awareness and grace, yes. like a whole shit ton of grace, yeah. like, and that's where I think we're, we're really kind of screwed <laughs> in some places because like, we don't see, we're not looking at what people put in the world on an evolutionary mm-hmm. perspective, right? Yeah. So it's like, okay, the generation before repress it, you yeah. know, and so all of a sudden we have vomiting it all over the place. And we're like, (laughs) you know, and it will come back to a a place, but it will never get there unless it's too much. Right. Like, and if you're afraid of being too much, yeah. How do you find that center, you know, and will we give each other grace in that mess? Can't we just be real? Like, can't we just, you know, I just feel like there's still something like there's still a film of some sort where we're expect there's an expectation of something. And instead of just literally trusting your authentic self and that it's not going to be for everybody, but that it will reach the people who need it the most. Mm. I think that's where we're still kind of floundering is like, we're not for everybody. No, you know, nobody's going to be for everybody, but like, just trust that you're for somebody that's, you're going to help somebody by what you've got to offer And I think that what you were taught, it all comes back to, if you ask me what you were talking about before the ostracizing and we literally have this thing in our brain that will always choose survival over everything else. And it'll choose it over being rational. I mean, you should hear the thoughts. I think sometimes the catastrophic (laughs) and anxious thoughts, 
our brain is trying to help us as annoying as it can be. And the biggest threat to our survival is being ostracized, is being alone, because you cannot survive, at least in our primal brain of the way things used to be. If you were outside of tribe, you were left to predators, you were left to starve. You you couldn't make it on your own in the way that our world was set up before. Now you can figure it out. You can have food delivered to your house. You can do all these things, but that's also the detriment. As you were saying, we're not forced then to be communal because we can literally survive by being on our own physically, Mm. but mentally and spiritually and emotionally, we cannot survive on our own. And that's where I see we're dying and we're Mm. suffering mental health. And guess what? Like mental causes physical and physical Mm. can cause mental. And, you know, so That is where I think we are put everything else aside that we can do. I think the number one thing we need to be doing is making sure nobody's ostracized. And I think that is what we're called to do. My favorite quote is we're all just walking each other home. Yes. And I just don't think, and none of the rest of the stuff matters if someone is left out, if someone is alone, like you can't solve for that in any other way other than being there for somebody. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think so much of that also comes down to seeing that first within yourself. Mm-hmm. Like you have to call home all that ostracized parts of yourself. Yeah. You know, like the too much self, like, right. So for me in, in, in starting this podcast and being able to go like, okay, I literally had to like give a rousing speech (laughs) to my, to the multiplicity within me to say, guys, no one's being left out. The, the too loud one, the, the wondrous kind of child, the foul mouth part, we're all coming. We're all coming guys. You're all welcome. Yeah. (laughs) And you know, because there's like, oh no, well, that's not the acceptable part. Yeah. And when you do that on an indiv- like on the individual psyche level, yeah, you literally can't move forward in your life. Like no. one of those little parts that you have deemed unacceptable is yeah. gonna just <laughs> scream its head off. Is gonna just like have a tantrum <laughs> yeah. and it's gonna they're gonna screw up your life. And you're yeah. gonna be like, okay, I should have included you. I'm sorry you know, here you go. Yeah. But you know, I, I don't think until we like dealt on the inner level that you even see that on the outside, like, and it, it's hard because some people's behaviors make them very, <laughs> you know, like very difficult. I'm like, yeah. okay, you know, I, and that's where La Bafana for me is this, you know, almost that ideal self. Yeah. Which I'm never going to get to. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> that's our journey, right? Is I, you know, like, is, you know, seeing the Christ child in everybody, yeah. seeing, you know, cause some people make it real hard to see. I know they do. I mean, I'm not going to joke. I'm not going to lie. It's true. It's you're it's, like you, that, that Christ child is down deep, deep. <laughs> and we can all have that intention. Like I can come out of mass or I can come out of like a spiritual teacher or like an inspirational talk and be like, yeah, that's how I'm going to live my life. And then I meet a really challenging person and I'm like, you know, my F-bomb self and my, you know, like annoyed self, you know, I, my son always jokes like, mommy, you're the nicest person, except for when you're driving. And for when someone messes with me, he's like, those are the two times. (laughs) I mean, it's true. Like you said, we have to be allowed. There has to be spaces and people we go to where 
all those parts are welcome. We need at least one person. And, and I try to help my clients find that one person or that one place because what do we all want ultimately? Like we want to be loved and accepted for all that messy stuff. And I feel like sometimes the really difficult people in life, they've never experienced that. And so they're actually testing people. Can I get you to love me even if I do this? Like, I think that everyone deserves to experience that feeling of, yeah, I'll love you even with that really ugly, messy stuff, because that's the medicine. I truly believe that knowing there's at least one person you can call when you've really messed up and you can like authentically and truly tell them from A to Z the details of it and have them be like, okay, that, that was not great, <laughs> but I love, you know, like, I'm not going to hang up on you and do you want to go for a walk or because then you say, oh my gosh, like I'm worthy of that. Yeah. To me, that's, that's God. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, and if you have enough of those experiences yeah, where an individual in the human form, yes, offers you that level of, of love and okay, that was pretty crappy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that, let, let's just say that was not your best self. Yeah, who, that wasn't a did, good one. Who pulled that one, but <laughs> I'm still here with you. Yeah. I yeah. think you actually experience what they, you know, talk about in the pulpits, you yes. know, what they're preaching about. Totally. There. Otherwise, you know, to preach that and then not, if you don't feel that and someone is there, how do you ever come to any sense of (laughs) there's something greater at work and, and I can be, I can be loved in spite of myself. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's why a lot of people can't believe in something bigger or can't believe in God because they haven't experienced it from a human. Like a lot of people, I think who really struggle with the whole God is drawn up as Godfather, And yeah. if they've had a really bad experience with their own physical father, do right. they want to go and say, yeah, I love God, the father and God, the father looks out for me. And I mean, we have to realize that there are people who can't get there because they haven't, like you said, experienced, yeah. they haven't experienced that from another human. And that again is where we're called as a society, you know, to, to try to bring that in some in some way, shape or form. And like you said, it's not always easy with people, but that's how we're going to find some sense of peace in this world. That's the only Mm -hmm. way because Mm -hmm. people are so hurting, you know, and when, when people ask me, what do you think the biggest root cause? Cause functional medicine is all about finding the root cause of someone's health, health issues. Like that's the point is finding the root cause. We look at symptoms as like a tree and the symptoms are the symptoms are the leaves and the branches and the okay. roots, the roots are where the, the illness really b- begins. Mm-hmm. And so we try to address that. So it's not a band-aid fix. It's an actual reversal or healing of the root cause, which for some people, you know, is a toxin exposure or an infection. I and mean, then there's so many different root causes, but I think the true, true, like way down in the soil root cause of most people's problems, whether that's mental or physical is loneliness and trauma. It's pain. Mm. It's pain that has not been dealt with or past pain, current pain, whatever, that mm. people don't have a way to process mm. and it's, it gets stuck in the body in some way and manifests in some way. And so mm. again, whether that's that someone commits a crime that's that someone gets cancer. That's that, you know, it can show up in so many different ways, but the only true way to get to 
the root of it is I feel to solve for pain, physical, I mean, mm. emotional and spiritual pain that shows up. as And physical. you're, and you're saying from your perspective that like the physical is just kind of the, that it started already on a spiritual, emotional level. Well, there's sometimes just Before, literally a physical yeah. aspect, like whether that's again, that someone got bit and got a, you know, mm-hmm. mosquito bite and they got yeah. encephalitis or something, you know, sometimes there is that like, oh, there's a true, or they had an exposure to a toxin that mm-hmm. made them sick. So sometimes it is clearly that physical, but again, like there's always some sort of emotional work to be done on some level, because there are people who go through life and they have the same exact exposures to infections or to, you know, we, we've seen it, unfortunately, in the last three years, how this virus can land on one person and do something and it can land on another person and do something totally different. Mm-hmm. And so that just helps us, I hope, see that that healthcare needs to be individualized because we can all be kind of in the same room and have an experience, whether that's an actual like listening or trauma experience or a virus or a bacteria or something. And it's going to turn out totally different for each one of us. There was an example given one time by a mind body practitioner that I followed that she was with somebody and they were robbed together. Like they were traveling and one of them got over it pretty okay. And the other one ended up with PTSD and never really felt safe again, traveling and whatever. And we just have to realize that we're individuals and we can experience the same thing. Mm. And it can affect us differently. And that's okay. Like, that's the part that we haven't quite, whether we don't, we don't like, we don't allow like for that. that though. No, we, we like, don't allow, we don't, yeah. like there is a deep relationship between the, the individual and yeah. like this real reverence for the individual, like all little individuals yeah. <laughs> in, you know, yeah. together on a wild journey, yeah. <laughs> having our own experiences and trying to be the best kind of humans we can. Yeah. Yeah. You have to make be. sense of it for yourself. Cause as much as that, like you're saying that community part matters, you have to figure a lot of stuff out. It's like what we came, what we started off saying is you have to figure out a lot of that stuff for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, community is the support behind you, but at the end of the day, you are responsible for so much of your own evolution and, you know, the change that I think we're all called here to do. And, and I think I've never been a woo-woo person. And then I kind of, this, this healing journey kind of put me on the woo-woo path and a little bit (laughs) just the woo-woo path. I love, I love when people are like, yeah, we're going to get a little woo-woo over here, but yeah. But I think that like you're denying where I was going with that is the, there is historical generational stuff we bring with us that we're not even Mm. necessarily aware of. And we may never totally figure it out, but I, I picture it as like a baton being passed that like there are certain things my elders could not, they didn't have the luxuries that I have of certain amounts of time and money and things like that, that they never got Mm -hmm. to that point, but they then passed the baton. And so I'm here doing what I can do in the time that I have that they could not do. Mm -hmm. And then my son and the next generations will take the baton and do things that I never could have accomplished while I was here. And I feel like we just need to understand that part. Like, well, that is a, that's a seeing the world through like a generational lens, you yeah. know, but like here in part of the, some of the absurdities of modern life, I think are just like, 
the reverence of youth. Like it's like, you know, and and it's not about the passing down of wisdom. It's not about the, here are the lessons learned, like keep going guys, we're evolving to something better. You know, that's where, you know, when you kind of can tap into a little of that, you know, some of the, the, you know, the saints and stuff that have said like, all is well. And you're like, what do you mean all is well? Look at this shit. Like that ain't well. But I feel like when you go like all is well, like we're getting there, you know, like you're a blip. And so it's, you know, it's to go like, I'm a blip in this evolutionary journey of humanity, but I'm still an important blip. Right. That's (laughs) the thing. Yeah. (laughs) It's true. Like to not take it too grand, but to, to realize that you do have stuff to do while you're here. And, and like you said, I think the biggest part for me that was hard because I am such a wanting to like control certain things and wanting to make a certain outcome my, a lot of my practice is just accepting, just Mm. accepting that like, I'm where I'm at today. That's okay. And accepting whatever, like I said, that you're going to reach the people who need you and that the people who need to find you are going to find you and that things are going to flow in the direction and the way that they're supposed to. That's been the hardest thing for me to do, but the most important thing, because when I try Mm. to force it or control it, it, oh, it's just like energy pathways in the body. If you, you get tight and constricted in an area, it's, it doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for so many of us in this, like wherever we are in the journey mm-hmm. of consciousness and humanity, that it's like, at least I'm tuning into this, this, the force is not going to work mm-hmm, no. and any of whatever the old ways were that were patternings from a toxic wounded exactly uh way Mm -hmm. it's you can try it and you can but you're going to keep hitting a wall yeah I'm finding I at least that's where I'm so true no me too it's like oh and it's annoying you're like but uh, and it's like if if there's any change in the world it would come from a new way of being in the world yeah a new way of being yeah you know, that probably is an old way of being right in some <laughs> you know, way, in some way, this new yeah. way of being is an old way of being. But like, if you keep doing it the same way and, you know, expecting a different outcome, that's like the craziness, Insanity. but yeah. yet, you know, I think there's that place of, but it feels funky and I yeah. don't know how to do it. Cause we're like, we're literally living our way into that, into yeah. a new Oh way, yeah. It's know? super so... uncomfortable. I'm, you know, like <laughs> we're not going to, you know, make this look like it's some awesome and just like vibing out thing. It's, <laughs> you know, like it's not, I'm, you know, I've been through, it's been some dark times for me, you know, mm. trying to figure, and I'm not even going to pretend that we're, like I said, we're not figuring it out. We're just taking our little, sometimes I picture like there's, there's a prayer, like Mary undoer of knots. Oh, and I love I, that one. Yes, right? Because I picture that in my mind. Like I'm just here trying to do undo some knots and I'm not going to get the whole thing undone, but I'm like, just work mm. on the knot that's in front of you at this given moment. So good. <laughs> I'm like literally like just imagining like, you know, in the metaphorical lava table, like everyone just 
undoing a few little knots, yep. you know, and, you know, think about what the fabric of society, you know, like yeah. right now we're like, yeah. Well, yeah. And don't worry about their knot and how they're doing it. Cause that's what a lot of people are doing. They're like, yeah. you're not undoing your knot, right? Like that's not how you undo a knot here. Let me show you. And it's like, why don't you worry about yours? Cause yours is a pretty big friggin' mess. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't want to look at my knot. I want to think about, I want to. She, let me see your knot, Sharon. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh my God. I. How did you not figure out how to pull yeah, that part out? Exactly. Before? No, no, no. Yeah. It's a serious, like mind your own business. Yeah. Uh, Be helpful if you can. Be helpful if you can. Like if you have a tip, because sometimes we've gotten, a, we look at a younger person's knot or someone who is just starting out on a health journey and you say, let me just like maybe help you like give you a tip, but don't sit over there and try to undo their knot for them. You know what I mean? It's like, say this helped me undo my knot, but maybe it's something to think about, but don't get all up in their business trying to, because un- we're here to undo our own knot. Like <laughs> nobody else can do it for us. You know what I mean? Like that just ruins the whole point of our journey is. That is kind of just funny. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, we were like, you know, you know, when you're like a child and you're playing with a necklace and then it gets into this horrible mess and yeah. then you're like, hey, can you, right. and you're like, someone do it for me. Yes. Nope. No, no, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no one's undoing your knot for you. That is like such an annoying level of radical responsibility. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It, it is. And it's hard. Like I said, it's not easy and it's not always fun. But I can tell you that when you look back at what you've done and, and it could be small, it could be minor, but to be able to say, I figured that out and Mm. it just takes you, it's like anything that, you know, we all have our individual anxieties and things that hang us up. And every time we do just a little of that Mm. and we prove to ourselves what we can do next time we do something a little bit beyond that. And that's, that's the thing that I've sort of as a highly sensitive person working with highly sensitive people, there's a Mm. lot of times where I'm like, well, I'm highly sensitive. I can't handle X, Y, Z. And I avoid. And then Mm. I realized with the help of some of my healers in my life, like my acupuncturist, like you need a little bit, you always need to like push yourself a little bit or expose yourself a little bit to stress because what you're trying to build is the resilience. It's not that you, you're going to avoid all the things in life that stress you out or that take from your system, but you need to become resilient because you can't control those things. You can control yourself and you want to build the resilience. You don't want to have to avoid like the things having a little bit of out. exposure to yes massive, we're dealing with people wave. with we're people that are having war you know having war and oh, bombs gosh. dropped on them right yeah like, okay, they really yeah you know but when when you think about that and I think this is where a lot of people get screwed up right yeah. it's like okay that that's not happening to me yeah thank god right and, right so what's my responsibility right now? Yeah. Truly. Yeah. You know, so in exposing myself and being able to better undo my knots and right. Yeah. That, that, that has an impact, you know, yeah. like it oh, will, for sure. Was a, a highly yeah. sensitive person. I imagine like there are some things that when you get, I particularly like get inundated by, like when I get the news and all of it yeah. and it's like, 
I, it's too much, you know, and that's, that's where, you know, in terms of the transformation from like my work with the puppet, which was Mm -hmm. actually like a form of healing myself. I had no idea. I was like, Oh, I guess the expressive arts heal you. Oh, Oh, wow. So much. But, but there was a real, very, you know, scary moment there. (laughs) You know, it's like, it looked like it was just totally joyous, but there was a, a place in there where I, like that little girl in me was refusing to grow up Mm. because the world was so frightening Yes, as a highly sensitive person. Yes. And while so much sense, while there's an aspect of imagination and magic and la 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 la, that's really healthy. Mm -hmm. There's also a shadow side to it, Mm. which, you know, if you stay there and you, you know, and you just like, it's almost a form of dissociating. Yes. Of like, I will become a magical character. And instead of having to confront reality, yeah, you know, as yeah. it is, as a, you know, because you're like, oh, God, I don't really like it. Yeah, I don't right. like this world no. where people aren't nice to each other. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that makes so much sense. And I think going through that, pro- you ended up obviously where it, like, the awareness piece came in at some yeah. point for you that like, oh, I see how this is serving me and how this is maybe keeping something stuck yeah. or keeping something yeah. in a place. Yeah. As you were talking to about what some people are going through in the world and, you know, life is hard. I never tried to downplay that. And I don't think, I don't think of it in terms of some people have it easier than others because we never know internally mm-hmm. yeah. what someone's experiences, even if their life looks perfect, like they could be living in internal hell. I mean, I know personally mm-hmm. as someone who's dealt with anxiety, OCD, these things that like things can look great on paper and on the outside, and you can really be suffering your own personal hell on the inside. Mm. And one of the things as that's like been a really helpful touch point for me that I want everybody to understand is that I dig into the roots of my ancestors so frequently when I feel like I can't, this pandemic has been one situation where I'm like, how do I deal with this? How do I, this is like my worst fear because I had had health anxiety and germophobia and things like that. So this pandemic, even though I'd done a ton of healing and thought, oh, I've made it so far. It's like, whoom, it took me back to, in so mm. many ways to some of my greatest fears. And I thought about my ancestors. I knew my great grandmother who I was close to until she passed when I was eight, might be, she was from Sicily and she had gotten the Spanish influenza and all her hair fell out. She got sick, but she survived it. Wow. And so I often would think of her and also just think about our ancestors coming over on this boat, you know, another great grandmother, um, her sibling died on the boat from one of the illnesses on the boat. Mm. And I think to myself though, like I always say to myself in my head, like I am the survival of the fittest. Like I am, I mean, even that theory is a little bit questionable, but we have to realize how resilient we are. Mm. And I feel like life has been so overwhelming, especially over the last three years that I just want people to realize like you are resilient and strong. You're here. Like your Mm. ancestors went through some really traumatizing and difficult stuff. And you were able to grow from that. Like, and that's huge. And I don't think we see like, 
we don't see that we're a, a continuation. Mm-hmm. We see it as like, this is me. Yeah. Look how far <laughs> I've made it. I like, and you don't see that like you are the, you are a piece of that continued like resilience. So yeah. it's like, there is ancestral trauma, but there's also ancestral wisdom. Yes. And growth, ancestral and growth. growth. And, you know, like the growth aspect of it and the resilience aspect of it. And, you know, another, you know, motivation of mine of like building this table and podcast and, and, and hopefully growing this as, as a community is yeah. that how do we, we're going to have, we've got more, we've got more challenges to face. Yeah. <laughs> it could get <laughs> a lot worse. worse yeah. Because healing is like that. And if yeah. we're really healing on an evolutionary scale, yeah. how are we going to meet each moment? Yeah. And like, what are the tools and resources that we, and the gifts that we bring to the table from having undone our knots and maybe knotting them up again, you know, totally. that's the the thing. And where people don't want to, you know, especially, you know, I'm a storyteller and I can tell a story with a, with a nice arc and (laughs) wrap it all up. Like it's perfect. And, (laughs) but you know, you can move forward and feel like you have arrived Yeah, and then you can go be back again. Yep. And that's okay. And that's okay. And then go, okay, well, how do I, how do I maneuver this part again? I already, I have the knowledge, you know, but we don't, we don't realize that. And so like the need to like constantly be able to tap into our like inner resources and our inner gift and our gifts in, in community is I think like (laughs) <laughs> the medicine of the yes. future that we yeah. really, we really need. For sure. And I think the community piece is one that has now been sort of because of the isolation of the past few years, like it's one that we can now choose to rebuild Yes, in, in a so much better way than it was. I feel like, okay, we're probably not going to like jump back into multi-generational homes or anything like that anytime soon. But like, how do we recreate the the safety net sensation of that, the feeling of that, that I'm not truly alone, that I have community looking out for me? And how do we get that Rosetto effect, you know, that I talked about mm, at the beginning? How I do love- we make that happen again for ourselves? And how do we do it right where we are? Yeah, right. Without like, be realistic about it. Like we, really like right I said, we are. we're not going to necessarily move into a commune or, a, you know, I mean, sometimes I think that would be really cool to like all buy up, you know, those places in the towns in Italy that are selling houses right, for like maybe. a dollar. Lava like, table let's could, go. could exist maybe yes. in real life a couple of years from now. That maybe. would be so awesome. Like, and I fantasize about that. And then I'm like, you know, probably not realistic for now, but like, let's stop being like, I'll have community in my life when X, Y, Z. No, build it right now. However mm-hmm. you can, even if it's a Zoom community you know, like whatever you can do, do a little step today. Don't, don't say I'll do it when the pandemic's totally over, or I'll do it when I'm retired. You know, Mm. there's like all these things we say I'll do when I was famous for that. When I was sick, I was like, I'll do X, Y, Z when I feel better. Well, what if I never feel better? Mm. And so I'm just putting my life on pause and missing out on the time I do have like, Mm. no, Uh do what you can a little (laughs) bit now, you know? And what would you like for someone going, 
like, okay, I, I want to take a more holistic approach mm. to my, my health. What is that like little baby step they could take right now? Like if someone comes to you and says, yeah, I want to, I want to get, what is the little step that I could do that one could do even in relation to community yeah. relation to like the physical, the, what, what would you, what are some of those little, those little things that you would say is like, that's a good enough little step right there. Yeah. Well, I love two furs or three furs where you're like doing one thing, but it addresses multiple things. So things Ooh. like going for a walk with a friend. So you're moving your body and you're socializing, right? So, mm. and again, for people who don't feel safe necessarily being inside with people right now, I know that's very real for a lot of people in the cr- chronic illness community. Like yeah. I'm not ready to get back out into the world. I'm not ready to go to church or a bookstore or where places they used to get together with people. So outside, even though it's getting colder, bundle up, go for a walk with a friend. And that, like I said, is two birds, one stone. Another thing you can do, a lot of people struggle with like, I want to eat healthy, but like, I don't like meal prepping. I don't like all, it takes so much time and all that. So I find a lot of the reasons that people can't or think they can't do something is because they're lonely in it. They're like, Mm. oh, like, I don't want to do this by myself. Like a lot of us revert back to that child person who feels overwhelmed. Why is an adult not helping me? Why is, why is this on me? (laughs) And we're an adult now, but we're still feeling that like, I don't want to do this alone because we're, we're communal people, you know, we're, that's how we're built to be. So sometimes I encourage people, can you get on a phone call while you're chopping vegetables or like something that makes you not realize what you're doing. And you I feel think, like I think we somebody. may have to do that. We, we may have to host a little event of like you know, a food prep event, a food prep with, yeah. <laughs> with you as a part of a little Labafana's table experience. I would love maybe that. We'll, maybe yeah, we'll do you that have and... to take those things that you don't mm-hmm. want to do, like folding laundry or whatever. And some pair it with something that you enjoy, whether that's like, I'm going to put on an audio book, a podcast, this podcast. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Advertise, promote. (laughs) There you go. Music, whatever. Like you have to take drudgery in life, the things we have to do that we don't want to do and pair it with a joyful thing because, Mm -hmm. and usually again, that's talking to a friend, somehow feeling not alone. So that is the one piece I would give people, even if it's virtual for now, get on the phone, get on a FaceTime and do something and, and make it, you know, find an accountability partner. Like a lot of my clients, if they don't want to like have to pay me to be their accountability partner all the time, I'm like, find somebody else who has a similar goal, like whether that's around food or exercise and get on and be like, are you doing your thing right now? Some people do that with decluttering. They have a decluttering partner where they'll get on zoom for an hour And they'll sit there and they'll, well, I'm going to call it now undoing their knots. They sit there and they undo their knots together and they're not alone in it. And they've actually done it because someone else held them accountable for doing it. And so I would just say, find an accountability partner, a health, but someone who also wants to do something that you're trying to achieve. And it's, it's, it's kind of funny, you know, these drudgery tasks, you know what I mean? Like in, in this way that you're, you're presenting it, like finding someone to do it with, you you realize that these things that you say are like getting in the way of life yeah, can be really what life is about. Yeah. They are life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know, we, we don't have the, you know, we have the beautiful convenience of like a washing machine and not right. <laughs> to go down and, you know, the watering wash. hole, but that was the community part, but right? That's you the would community all get part. together 
I mean, think about college. I think that that when I look back on my life at the fondest, one of the fondest times for me was college because I had doors and doors of people around me. And it's like, who wants to go down to the cafeteria? Who wants this? And we'd gather up a whole group and we'd go to the game together. We'd go to the cafeteria. And I'm like, now that I'm looking back on it, just in this moment, I'm like, that's probably what our ancestors, they're like, I'm taking my laundry down to the watering hole. Let's go like round up the girls, round up the women. And I won't get into it, but that's where I see we struggle as a society too with childbirth and having a newborn and being a new mom is that we're expected to go through that alone. And Mm -hmm. nobody a few generations ago would have a newborn and have to go through that. Yeah, that's some craziness. It's It's insanity. And to have to shoulder that by yourself as an individual family home. No, that's just not. uh, Let me just tell you, that's not doable. Like, it's just not. Oh, man, I love this. I love this conversation. This is. I'm I'm really taking away just like the 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 communal aspect, the togetherness, you know, like that there's there's an away there's a way to approach so many aspects of our health. Um, that we f- still feel overwhelmed by, yeah. you know, this, this, yeah. this, this little child and all of us, that's like, why isn't anybody taking care of this? Right. Why <laughs> is nobody helping me? Why is nobody doing this for me? Yeah. I think there's a tenderness that we can actually start to see that, that mm-hmm. like, why isn't anybody, you know? <laughs> yeah. And see it in other people. Like we need to, first of all, extend it to ourselves, which I think is again, part of the healing of society is like the things that we judge about ourselves. If someone else can see that and love us, then that again is a model for us to love ourselves. But Mm. I I feel like if, if we want to be accepted for the things that we have tantrums about, like, why do I have to do this? I don't want to do this. Like when we see someone else having sort of a tantrum about something that is easy for us, we shouldn't be like, why can't they do that? It's so easy. It's like, that's their thing that you, you have it about something else, but they have it at that, in that aspect in their life. And just to be understanding of that and have compassionate that it looks and I different. Think those are all the gifts. You know what I mean? I think, you know, when you get off the, like the, the perfection spiritual train of like enlightenment, yeah, and, you know, no. or, and you really realize the fullness of your strengths and your limitations. And you're like, you know, while I might be judging myself of like, Tina, why can't you do this like simple freaking task? (laughs) Like, why does this? And for some, you know, like maybe God creator, whatever, maybe we were created that way for that purpose. You know what I mean? So I could be like, Hey, this stupid thing that should not be difficult for me is difficult. Is there someone that, that like, are you good at that? Right. Yeah. I'm great at that. Yeah. Let me do it. And and let me sit with you and the puzzle comes together. And you know, this is where I think we present this like false you know, <laughs> Instagram yeah. perfect morning routine or whatever. Yes. You know, everyone does. Totally. And we, and we don't bring the, the, which I would imagine, like, I would imagine a Labafana, like yeah. I imagine her looking at these idiosyncrasies of ourselves and being like, Ed, you have that for a reason. Yes. <laughs> oh, like it, when everybody comes to the table, this person will help you. And I'm like, ah. Oh, I'm going to cry. Like (laughs) we all need, like, that's what I was saying to you before we started recording is that Nona, it it doesn't have to be Italian grandmother, but I 
I hope that everybody in their life has a grandmother figure who literally you show up. I'm literally going to get it so emotional. Do it. It's okay. You show up a total mess and they just warmly welcome you in. Like they don't see any of that. They're just so overjoyed that you're there. Mm. Mm. And I want everybody to be able to feel that way in some capacity mm. because that's, that's what we all need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like a, and a good laugh and a good cry about right. it. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. Like, I feel like when we cross over to the other side, whatever that looks like, we can pretend we know, but it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like everything that sort of confused us, or we thought like, okay, if there's a God, why does X, Y, Z happen or whatever? Like all of that just is kind of gone. And it just, you don't have any more questions, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we should just enjoy all the questions we have. I know, right? Just ask them all now. My overthinking brain that's always wanting to know the answers to everything will finally rest, but I'm trying oh. to get it to rest a little more while I'm on this side of things. Yes, <laughs> yes. And I, and I, you know, um, I think that I wrote a little, I haven't really sent it out in the world, but I will promote it on my podcast. Yeah. I, uh, I wrote a book called A Little Book of Questions and it's got oh. like 40 questions and they're not meant to be answered, you know, but like, I think so much of us are like, we want the answer. We have to know because like to fulfill some like under level, like anxiety that like we have Mm -hmm. weird mortal bodies probably. (laughs) And we're like, oh shit. (laughs) You know, there's that, that like level of anxiety, but like just holding these like questions and mysteries together and being like, wow, we don't know. Yeah. How how cool. Yeah. And we all have that capacity, but I like did want to touch on that. I just feel, again, I mentioned it, that Italians have this, we just like, so, I don't know, like life is, I always say it's like technicolor or something. It's like, we just feel things on a really, and experience things on like this. And so I've always, and maybe we'll do like another episode or you and I can somehow sort through this, but yeah, what is it? why do I feel like a lot of people with Italian roots are highly sensitive and also really good healers? I just feel like there's Mm. like this taproot into something that I have not quite put my finger on. Mm. And you don't have to be, we're going down that hole together. (laughs) I want us to like dig deep on that one in some way, because I know it happens for people of all sorts of ethnicities and cultures and I, it's like, I don't know, I see it. And that's why I do the, the social media, like sharing of people in the wellness space who have Italian roots, because there's something there. And I, it I, is, I don't it know what really it is. really helped me. You know, I, I do realize that as an aspect and the gift that I like, can't like, oh, I'm a high, I'm, I'm really highly sensitive. Yeah. I feel things like mm-hmm. to the depths yes. of them. <laughs> you're yeah. like, whoa, yeah. under that. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, sometimes that's too much or it it has contributed to this, like, oh, I'm too much, but really that that is a gift that I can share with people. And whether it's just like inability to, to feel it and bring out the comical aspect of that human drama. Cause I felt it it, within my own, my own self, but that those are, those are aspects of healing. And, and I, you know, I, as you say that, you know, one aspect of my own journey that I've struggled with and going like, 
oh, I am a healer, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm not like here, we're going to do Reiki and here are yeah. your crystals. Like right. that's not, that's not yours. My medicine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, understanding that, that aspect and getting to know that aspect of myself as it's related to my actual ancestral roots yes. is, is a, is something that is like coming to the surface a little yeah. bit more. So we'll have to, we'll have to we <laughs> go do. down that rabbit hole and do another episode. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Cause I feel that too. And it's like weird. Sometimes I'm like understanding that a, a certain plant is good for something. And I'm like, I don't know why I know that or why mm-hmm. I'm drawn to like this herb to make my son soup when he has an ailment of some sort. But like, I feel like there's stuff there that we all need to, for our own cultural and generational stuff, like it's to there. Remember, to yeah, remember we just it. have to remember it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, so exciting. It looks like we've got, we're ending one conversation and beginning another yeah, one. Yeah, for sure. But this is, this is amazing. And I just wanted to say thank you, Sharon, for share, you know, bringing yourself here, sharing your gifts with Lava Fana's table and helping to, you know, build this community. So well, that, you, you know, we could, we could so dance much. together and laugh together and build some, you know, creative resilience together. <laughs> Thanks so much for pulling up a seat to La Bufana's table. To get episodes sent direct to your inbox, as well as other perks such as access to our monthly community and connection hours, be sure to subscribe to my substack, dinagregory.substack.com. Ciao!